been experiencing maybe a few burnout signs, which are kind of scary when you think your body is, or you are invincible, and that some of this stuff applies to other people, but not to you. And then when you start getting the, the shortness of breath, uh, not being able to fall asleep, um, the slight kind of lingering, <laughs> um, a small sound of uh, panic, in the back of your throat or in that next dimension next to the left side of your head um, you kind of go oh is that a little voice always supposed to be there and it's not even a voice it's sort of an energy welcome to the adversity to advantage podcast i'm petra belzebor and this is the place to discuss tips tricks and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. So it has been, it's been ages since I recorded uh, just my own personal rant and my thoughts um, about life or the topic that is on my mind. Um, It is just in between Christmas and New Year at the moment. Um, And this will go out probably in the new year. Uh, But I thought, let me warm up because I don't know about you, but I have, I've had a week of like not doing much, which is really not like me. I mean, I've done the family stuff and, and all of that, but I ha- certainly haven't been um, working or doing anything too uh, productive. And after about a week of that, my body starts getting a little bit restless. My thoughts start going a little bit too, um, have I have my skills atrophied? <laughs> like, can I still do the things that I know that I can do? Um, you just get out of practice, just like when I'm not on stage for a couple of months um, and then I get uh, on stage again, I kind of think, damn, have I lost the ability to tell a story and to bring people along with me and to, um, you know, make sense to uh, the audience in a way. So I guess this is my warm-up round to, uh, to muse on the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020 which I don't know about you, but I am fucking excited about. I'm, I'm pretty thrilled. I'm excited. Um, I feel like 2019, I've been building up so much momentum, exciting momentum, amazing, fun opportunities have been coming my way, partially due to, I, I guess, the, the, the decade before. Um, you know, it's all, it takes about 10 years to create an overnight success sort of thing. Um, and I've certainly been, been putting in the time and then um, post-divorce post and just learning a lot, not just about hustle, but about changing my hustle tactic into one that is more uh, about letting go, about feeling into um, the universe. Like all of that language has been working for me recently. Um, you'll have to excuse the, sign, the sounds of the road. Uh, I've decided to take quite a late evening walk uh, to get some of this out there, mostly because of that restlessness, right? Too much of this chill time (laughs) gets me a bit uptight. (laughs) Um, But I've actually been learning about the physiological reasons for why that is. Um, And uh, I think over the last couple of months, 
stuff applies to other people but not to you. And then when you start getting the, the shortness of breath, uh, not being able to fall asleep, um, the slight kind of lingering, <laughs> um, a small sound of uh, panic just in the back of your throat <laughs> or in that next dimension next to the left side of your head, um, you kind of go, ooh, is that little voice always supposed to be there? And it's not even a voice, it's sort of an energy, energy of excitement, but slash adrenaline slash panic. Um, and you read a lot about the entrepreneurial journey and some of these signs of burnout that show up for lots of people. Um, but when you start to feel it, or when you're staring at a computer screen for 15 minutes and you have only done one thing, or before Christmas it was, I had to reduce my, um, the amount of things on my to-do list to a very cultivated three things. Usually I've got at least you know, 25 things uh, on the go, and of course the, there's a longer list of innovation and things to, to create and do. Um, but I mean, I was down to uh, kind of three things, and by the end of the th third thing, or 20 minutes in even, my heart would start to, to beat a little bit faster, my throat would start to catch a little bit. Now this might sound like it's a doom and gloom podcast about um, uh, burnout. It really actually isn't. It's more about growth and learning, and sometimes the tools that we need to use to set ourselves up for the next step. And I really believe the last three to six months, not only has it been the obvious outside work that has been going on, there's been a lot of internal shifting. And this real, this, the one truth that I do stand by is that in order to get to the next level, you can't just use the skills that got you through to, that, to the level that you're at. You gotta learn the skills, and I mean the intuitive ones, not just the practical skills. You gotta do the inner work that allows you to actually match up to the outside world of opportunity that you then begin to access. And I do really think that if you just build momentum and get the, the opportunity, but you haven't done the, the, the self-awareness and the skills development on the underside, sort of, as a parallel process, then I think that's when we fuck up our opportunities. But I'll let you know <laughs> next year uh, how that plays out. But that's certainly what I've been learning, watching, and reading from successful people that I look up to and, and, and admire is this radical honesty about their own path of self-awareness and that the tough stuff comes up when the good stuff is happening. You know, It's not a linear process, but if the way you frame it, which I believe I've quite successfully done, is one that life is about learning, and that means there are no surprises because everything is an opportunity for growth and developing ourselves in some way. Everything is. And so everything in business, like I, can't, I literally can't lose anything because even if my business goes under, uh, I get a job somewhere, something uh, radically changes, I haven't lost anything because my main purpose is about developing myself, about growth, and becoming the potential, the person that I want to be. So that takes the pressure off of like, oh, I'm on this track to build a successful business, and if the business fails, then I have failed. It really doesn't feel like that. It feels like I'm on a path of growth and development, and if the business fails, that will be a huge step, catalyst, for further growth and development. 
obviously I don't want the business to fail, but it's not even all about that. So some of you, if you've listened to, to kind of uh, some of my personal rants in the last maybe three to six months, you'll notice I've spoken a little bit about um, trauma, about um, a new relationship I'm in, and about how all the goodness and the feeling of safety that is coming from both the relationship and uh, work and opportunities going well has actually had a, a sort of um, counterintuitive effect, which is that some old trauma, you know how the body never forgets, some old stuff in my body has, I guess, been releasing or has felt safe enough to, to kind of go, well, you know, in order to get to the next level of success, and I don't just mean wealth, I mean success as far as fulfillment and potential and all the rest is, well, success is really a, a subjective word. Um, I got to release some of this stuff or it's going to, I'm going to sabotage myself or hold me back in some way. And it's come out in really quite debilitating ways. And like I said, intertwined with a bit of burnout, but emotional overload of releasing some of this trauma and then trying to hack the fuck out of it, right? So if I get something happening to me, I find it really hard to just go, oh, let me just notice what's going on. Let me just feel into it and see what's happening. Instead, I tend to uh, order every book, listen to every podcast, uh, Google as much as I can, look to the professionals, look to the mentors, the, the specialists, uh, and try and do the work. And sometimes, I'm, I'm not saying this is always the right path, because it can rob us of listening to my body's own intuition, our body's own intuition, where we have some knowledge about some of this stuff, but also so many people have actually studied the things that are going on within my own body over the last months. And so I want to just soak up the knowledge, right? I didn't need to focus in on this before because it wasn't affecting me. And that might sound selfish or self-centered, but that's what, how we roll, right? It's, a, it's when it affects us that we then go about thinking, how the fuck do I do something about this? How many people have we heard on podcasts who, who get a physical health scare? They might get a cancer scare or something else uh, or real debilitating burnout and suddenly they read everything. Suddenly they put in the structures and the routines to focus on their well-being that they should have done uh, long, long ago when the small signs were there. But the physical, you know, habit machine is one that doesn't want to change unless it fucking has to, right? And so I've kept on my habit machine of hustle, fulfillment, growth, freedom, independence, stuff that I've been fighting for for a good long time and haven't needed to maybe diversify and think about what else is going on for me or in me, in my body, physically, mentally, and put the things in place before I reach some kind of crisis point. It's just, you know... The, the way the habit machine works. And often, this is why it's so hilarious that often we don't learn from other people before us. Uh, they tell us stories and only if we've been through it ourselves do we fully resonate and connect with that person, which is a beautiful thing. But we don't necessarily change our ways until our own health, physical, mental, sanity, whatever, is threatened. You know, and, and the smart ones, I guess, uh, might catch it a little bit early through learning from others. And I guess that was my tactic now in reading every book and trying to understand the different types of uh, trauma specialists that are out there. So I read loads of stuff. Um, and 
I ended up doing an amazing therapy called somatic experiencing, uh, which has the, it's a, um, the founder, the person who, who started that type of therapy, his name is Peter Levine. And I was reminded how much I actually love psychological, academic reads that help us understand our mind and our body. And so this is the crucial difference. My survival skill, based on not having, well, the, 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 the opposite impact of not having had an education as a child, is really to be curious and want to learn and delve into so many ideas and thoughts uh, and knowledge, right, to, to better myself and to improve myself in some way. And so I really took that tactic here as well, but what was different was that the learning, there's the theoretical side of learning, but the experiential side, which is what somatic experiencing is, is about learning to get in touch with your body. Many of us who've experienced trauma have different ways of managing. Mine, and which was coming out quite a lot, was something called dissociating. So my brain, when I would feel too much and it would be too much feeling coming up at once, I want to escape in some way. As many of you know, I don't drink alcohol, which is a beautiful escape mechanism uh, with dire consequences if you have an, uh, an addictive streak. But um, diss dissociation for me was literally like my eyeballs would move a little bit to the left of my head and try and go to a different part of my brain. That's how I can describe it personally. And try and escape the reality of the feeling because it felt too overwhelming to feel not only what was present in front of me, like being with my uh, super loving, amazing boyfriend, um, but also kind of a lifetime or decades worth of feeling that perhaps hasn't been processed but has been, has been escaped in some way. And so all of that kind of layered on top of each other just felt too overwhelming. And I was having sort of episodes uh, occur quite frequently as this parallel process to exploring a new and really healthy feeling relationship. Um, and so uh, it got pretty frustrating and I got pretty frustrated with myself. And there's a few things that I learned. One is it wasn't just the feeling that was overwhelming. It was my attitude to myself for having that feeling. So my own self-judgment. My own self-judgment for having these overwhelming feelings and not having, quote-unquote, figured this out by now with all the knowledge that I have of, of psychotherapy and coaching and so many different things. Um, there's this really kind of negative, obscene voice that when I would get this, this overwhelmed emotion, I would try and dissociate, then I would release, dissociate, release, dissociate um, in this sort of uh, very uncomfortable and exhausting dance that I'd have this narrative next to that about how I should know better and real kind of that negative critical voice uh, piping in. And once I learned that that bit wasn't necessary and that I could be brave enough in a way to simply feel the feelings and that all the, the books and the research says that we don't need the story, we don't need to go back into every single thing. We just need to feel it in order to release it and feel it just enough so that it doesn't overwhelm our senses so that we dissociate in some way. We just need to, and with a professional and what I was able to experience within this trauma session was being able to experience, almost dissociate, be brought back 
and have that, that sort of guidance. I also learned a lot about breathing, about releasing, and I was able to turn more of a sympathetic voice onto me um, as far as understanding that essentially my body was afraid, but I wasn't. Like my brain understood and was able to understand the logic around trauma and the impact, but my body didn't know that. My body's like maybe two decades, uh, old, uh, the two, it's experiencing life from two decades ago. Um, or more, uh, yeah, pushing 40. Um, and so it slowed down my work in a way. And, or, or it slowed down, it was, it was the, the, the universe was begging me to readjust my lens on work and on me and on the possibility for a balance, for goodness, to experience a relationship, to really and truly understand the essence of balance for me. Because, hey, I'm in the well-being space, right? So I talk to lots of people about looking after their mental health um, around balance. I help them figure it out, but uh, what's the saying about how the teacher needs to be taught? Or it's, That's not the saying, but it's something like that. And I thought I had it down, and I had a really good story as well, a narrative to tell myself about how this slow recovery uh, annoys the fuck out of me, <laughs> hence why I'm walking on an evening, right? Uh, but, I, but I like the notion of active recovery. I like listening to entrepreneurs that are about driving forward and hustle. And I've been trying to, I guess, marry up what is actually going to work now in this stage of my growth, my business, my relationship, and who I am now. Not before, but now. Uh, I've tried to marry up what balance means for me. What does it mean? And I think it means for me, and I'm still, this is a work in progress, but I, like I said, I just needed to warm up and see if I still had a voice, people. <laughs> it's so funny what a week of not working can do. I'm like, do I still have a voice? Do I? I had to test myself a little bit. Uh, and I feel like I do. Yay, yay, I can hang up now. I can finish. Um, no, but I want to turn this around to 2020 and how we, we sort of move forward and think ahead in some way. Um, but, but firstly, uh, the, the trauma stuff has really allowed me a new window into who I am as a person, what I want, and what's actually going to be healthy for me moving forward. But this is my fear. So here's my fear. <sighs> my fear is that now in this blissful bit of time off, of connection, meeting up with friends, of spending time with my kids, of slowing down in so many different ways, I have this perfect vision of what balance can look like. And so it's things like prioritizing exercise, connection, uh, prioritizing you know, the, the, the morning slot for being about me, nurturing me. I, I know very clearly what I want to say no to. And I've mapped out on my calendar even how I need a Friday for kind of admin and, and those sorts of things and Monday for, for planning, strategizing and investing in myself and that those core middle days of the week would be more about uh, that hardcore graft, but still doing exercise, right? eating well, nurturing my body and my soul, taking up that meditation properly like I've always talked about, 
being there for my kids, having space for my relationship, uh, and still uh, exploding a global business, right? And so here's the fear, is that while it works out perfectly in my head, I know that practice is very different. And I also know that my comfort zone is a survival coping mechanism. And so when things get a little bit intense and deep and tough and quick, I actually go into this kind of zen happy place where I'm like, all right, people, bring on the tough stuff. Let me solve the problem, solve this problem, do the call, do the call, you know, without much kind of, I think I have a lot of conscious choice just through practice, but um, there's still this habitual part of my body that almost likes the zen adrenaline hustle. And when that slows down, that's when the fears come in of like, do I know what I'm doing and all of that. So my fear is that the beautiful theoretical viewpoint of what balance could look like and what would bring me joy just won't actually uh, show up in exactly the same way. And that's okay. That's okay because if I look back a year, if I look back 2018, 2017, the struggles were different, but I've learned so much. I'm a different person who has learned what balance means in a different way now. Um, And so that's cool. It's okay. My fear is that I'm gonna mess up and I probably will, and that's okay. And so, um, but I do love a good end of the year review and new year kind of planning uh, session. Um, I love it. I've already got um, a bit of a plan as far as what's gonna happen. And I use that, that kind of coachy tool, that kind of one of those, the, the wheel of life that allows you to separate out the different portions of your life. So it isn't just about work and career, but it's about family, it's about friendships, it's about health, both physical and mental health. It's about our environment, where we want to live. Uh, it's about what do we want to learn? How do we want to grow? So kind of looking at 2020 from that lens of the well-rounded person and setting some goals connected to that. And now for me, they're not like just arbitrary goals, but it's more that I end up visualizing uh, at the end of 2020. So here we are on the cusp of 2019-2020. And I visualize what I want next December, what I want to be looking back on. That's what works for me. There's a million ways to do this, right? And, And there's no right or wrong way. But having habits of reflection throughout your year rather than just at the end means that it isn't just, you know, a sheep move um, going along with the crowds who are making New Year's resolutions that then fizzle out. But reflection is a practice quarterly, um, annually. And this isn't just about business. This is just about who do I want to be as a parent? How do I want to show up in the business world? What kind of boss do I want to be? Which freaks me out and I love it at the same time. Uh, Who do I want to be in relationship? How do I want to invest in the relationship that I'm in? How do I want to uh, grow as a person? How do I want to invest and plan joy and fun? And that's probably a crucial difference is I actually have um, four trips sort of planned throughout the year already. Now I never plan, that's progress. I never plan, I'm on a very gravelly road people forgive me. Um, I kind of never plan my fun first. I plan my work and my family 
and my living situation and things like that that take focus. And then my fun has got to fit in around that. But one of the key differences in how I want to approach 2020 and how I've already done it is to plan my trips, fun, excitement uh, first, schedule that in the diary, and all the work stuff has to fit around it. That's just how it has to go. Uh, and that's a really radical for me, an exciting way to approach the new year and how I prioritize the experiences, which I'm going to look back on uh, at the end of my life in that morbid deathbed way and go, I experience these things with these amazing people rather than just I hustled <laughs> alone, you know? Um, and so I'm really excited about 2020 and I'm also excited about the lens that I mentioned before, which is it's all about growth. There are no wrong turns. There are no wrong turns. It's a great line and I think I should call this podcast that. There are no wrong turns because... If we look at life with gratitude and with a sort of childish excitement for learning and for being the person that's possible for us to be, I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing changes. And I say this very much from a perspective of having been in the victim position of how life was being done to me and it was hard and I had no control and all the rest of it. And now I'm like, I get to do life, right? It's this exciting learning place um, that just keeps giving us new, I guess, riddles to solve. But we can't ever really solve them, which is hilarious. I did have a bit of an existential crisis moment <laughs> um, where I kind of thought, why does, any, does anything matter? I get some of those sometimes. Um, I just thought, what is... What is the actual overarching point? Everyone's got a theory, but really we're just humans kind of trying to piece things together based on other people's experiences, learning, science, studies, you know. But no, no human life has the capacity to research fully all of those things themselves. They must kind of trust what other people have done before them in order to create, create this kind of visual image of the purpose of life, right? And so really that can both be terrifying and a relief as well because it's all about how you, how you pitch it to yourself. So I'm choosing for it to be a bit of a relief because it, it also kind of means that no matter how I do life, you know, it, it, it'll be done. It'll simply be done, right? So we tend to overthink so many things and make everything this really big deal, but in the grand scope of the universe, like how could it be? Uh, you know, it is or it isn't, like, we'll, we'll never know. So how do we obsess about every little angle as if we actually know? Even the wise people out there who pretend to know, you know, they know a little bit. They've had a bit of insight. And I love learning from so many people. I lo love learning from the collective wisdom of us piecing things together. Um, but essentially, we have no idea. I mean, I love the conversations that are happening now around consciousness, around energy, around manifestation, uh, around the power that we have through, you know, simple atoms and energy and putting things out there. And I, I mean, I can attest to some of this stuff, not because I know the science, but because I started living differently and good shit started happening. Um, but it's, it's just, it cracks me up. It cracks me up that I'm on this podcast having a voice based on my own um, experiences in life 
And I think I come up with some pretty clever stuff sometimes. I tickle myself, right? Walking along a dark South London road with Christmas lights still up and people getting excited or, or hibernating. Lots of people are hibernating before 2020 kicks off. But it gets to matter as much as you want it to. It gets to matter as much as you want it to. Now I want mine to matter. And so I choose to look at life as one that matters, that allows me to grow, that allows me to be productive, to fulfill my potential, to test loads of stuff out. What I don't want to do is sleepwalk through life. I don't want to passively be observing other people living. And even if I've got it totally wrong, I don't care, right? I choose to live with excitement and to find joy and to learn from deep connections and even through pain, right? And I'm, I'm the, I think the real lesson that I want to extend in 2020 is the art of letting go. The art of surrendering into the flow of the universe and stop pretending that I've got as much control as I think I do. Because I've got, I'm able to show up at life and have some work ethic. Well, we haven't got control, people. We think we've got it all figured out and, then, and, and that's when a curveball comes, right? And rather that, than that being a depressing thought, it's actually a liberating one. It's liberating to know how little control we actually have. Because yes, we can show up and do the work and learn as much as we can and look after ourselves. But what we can't control is what's gonna happen next. All we can do is be building up our resilience in small ways, in whatever way we can, <laughs> uh, and having a little fun along the journey. And the, the other thing is, we get hurt and life gets hard and we armor up and we step back. And that's not how I want to live my life. And I've definitely been guilty of it. Um, and I've been learning so much in, in my relationship about the subtleties of when I armor up. He's so intuitive and it's just like, what just happened? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> He's like, I, I just, he can sense the armor going up even if it's in the smallest ways, which is hilarious. Because it holds up a, a mirror uh, to my soul. And what I don't want to do is continue to armor up so that I don't experience the fullness of life. I want to follow, continue to follow, hopefully, and ex expand on Brené Brown's themes around daring greatly, vulnerability, showing up as our true selves, total authenticity, connection. And these are daily practices because when we turn the lens on the opportunity, we can see that there's opportunity for this kind of behavior and how we show up so many countless times a day so many countless times a day. And that's what leads to this amazing ripple effect of deeper connection, of learning about ourselves, connecting with other people, and just being able to be who we're meant to be. And this transition has been going on for a year for me, not even a transition, like a learning about that there's a doing me and there's a being me. Um, and it's an ongoing process. And I still find it hard to fully connect in to my body, the being, the felt sense, as the, the, the practitioners in somatic experiencing call it, the felt sense, not just the thinking sense, but the felt sense. And I've got some more, a couple more sessions with, with the um, specialist uh, in, the, in the new year, and I'm, and I'm showing up. I want to show up bravely, even though there's this fear that every time I go, it sort of opens up a bit of a Pandora's box, and it, it kind of throws me emotionally for a little while, but I am safe. I have amazing people in my life 
who love me and care for me. Uh, I've been creating a family beyond my biological one. Love them all dearly. But sometimes we grow into other aspects of family and connection as well, which is exciting. Um, so guys, I just wish you all the best for 2020. And it would be great for you to do this, record something that you play to yourself. This is what I'm doing. Record something that you play to yourself um, in a year's time, just to see how, how far you've gotten or what shifted or how you showed up and the impact that it had on you um, throughout the year. What's, what is your intention? What do you want to learn? Who do you want to be? How do you want to connect? How do you want to show up? Because it's down to you. We can't control other people. We certainly can't control the universe and the greater outcome, but we do have a little bit of agency over the discipline and the learning that we and the mindset that we choose to utilize when we show up every day, when we wake up, when we make our fucking bed, when we pour our coffee, when ladies we put our makeup on and some men, when we show up for that meeting, when we show up for our kids, when we listen with a full heart and we allowed ourselves to let, leave our armor on the side and dare greatly, as Brené Brown says, suitable place to end. Happy 2020, people. Wishing you all the best. Show up. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. Uh, and please do get in touch through PetraBelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.